0: Boom, there it is, ladies and gents. We're ready to rock and roll on another one. If you are interested in scaling your business, going from zero to hero, then this episode is for you. We got someone on the show who's already done that, not once, but we'll see here in a second when we talk about it, here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life, prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It could be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you and welcome to another episode of Business Club. All right, ladies and gents, look, starting a business. Well, that's the easy part. Making it successful and then scaling it Now that's the difficult part. The fastest way to build and scale a business is to find a mentor who's already done it. And today's guest has not only built a seven figure business, he did it twice. A large amount of businesses started today are online businesses. And if you're looking to scale yours, then this episode is for you. Let's talk to a 15 year veteran who's helped hundreds of entrepreneurs reach six and seven figures, Mr. Dennis Berry. All right, my friend. Welcome to the program. Told you we were gonna have some fun. We are having fun. I'm
1: already having more fun than uh, probably any other podcast I've ever been on, which is a lot. So that's a, that's, that's a, good. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really yeah. great. Yeah? I'm already that means dancing on the bar. Yeah, we've already
0: been on for one minute, and I'm already dancing. I mean, like, how can it get better <laughs> than that? Well, hey, my thought process is simple, dude. If you're not having fun doing what you do, then go do something else. Because at the end of the day, uh, it really matters to me anyways, that you wake up every day looking forward to it. If you're you're the type of person who's like anxiety driven on Sunday night, because Monday's around the corner, you can't wait for Friday to come by, then you're probably not doing what you're supposed to be doing in life. And you kind of got to readjust and figure it out. What do you think?
1: I think that that is a spectacular place to start. You know, you said if we're not having fun doing what we're doing, we might be doing the wrong thing. And that's really important to dial into before you start a business. Being an entrepreneur is kind of a buzzword nowadays. It's a real popular thing to do and to be. And I encourage everybody to do it and be one. But a lot goes into it. It's a lot. It's not as glamorous as it sounds. There's a lot of work and a lot of... Uh, blood sweat and tears that goes into building a successful business uh time too and so just to backtrack 30 seconds before i just said all that if you're not doing something that you're passionate about it's going to become really hard to reach high levels of success because at some point we're like all right i'm going to be a i'm going to own this business i'm going to do this build this thing and it's going to be amazing and we start And we work 20 hours a day. I know because I still do that. And we work and we work. And it's fun and exciting. The idea of making millions of dollars and sitting on the beach and hanging out, doing all this for ourselves, is it's, it's the most exciting thing that you can possibly imagine. But then some of the excitement wears off. And then there's just this work. And if you're doing that and it's not what you're passionate about, then it becomes a problem. And then we start procrastinating. We start uh, doing other things that instead of working and uh, it affects our relationships and it definitely affects our money situation. And so uh, I love that you started in that place. So always when I, when we, when I start working with somebody and we're like, all right, well, let's build this business. Well, what do you want to do? It's important to have be very specific about what it is you want to do. We call that a niche or a sub niche, right? Uh, What is it you love to do? If you want to build a business doing what you love to do, then entrepreneurship is amazing. And we go from well.
0: there. If you're working too hard at it and you're you're not loving what you do, you end up like you and me, man. We I, I used to have hair at one point in my life, probably tore it out. There you go. See, shiny head to shiny head. Uh, that's kind of what happens when you work your butt off too much. Uh, it's, you, you talked a little bit about plateauing, essentially, right, where you're driven to do something on a day-to-day basis, and then all of a sudden you're not so passionate about about it anymore and you kind of hit this like this level of nothing but grind nothing but grind without seeing much results and i'm kind of i want to kind of take that back uh just a little bit further where you were like you know we should we should definitely work on what we love to do because that's the that's the passion that's the driver but there's a lot of people who look at what they love to do and can't really figure out a way to monetize that or to make the kind of living to sustain the lifestyle that they have right now How do you give them feedback when they give you that kind of pushback?
1: Mm, That's a really good question. So when we're looking at building a business, whether it's a, and it's always around a product or a service that we offer. And that's what we do. We're we're selling a product or a service and uh, what we, my, my screen's being weird. Sorry about that. Um, so it needs to be something that we're excited about, but it also needs to solve a problem right? And that's an important piece of the puzzle. So uh, is it what you love to do? That's great. Whatever it is you love to do, there's a way to do it for a living. There's always a way to do it. And this is where having a coach, mentor, accountability partner, uh, consultant, whatever you want to call, help you uh, dig that out a little bit. And we have ways of doing that. But um, uh, is it solving a problem? Like we have to be able to find a way to do what we're passionate about, and say, all right, well, uh, is does the world out there need this product or service? And if not, then how can we drill it down and find a way to uh, have them need it? So, great. Uh, when we talk about niching, okay. So, uh, do you understand what niche is? And everybody listening,
0: you what niche Niches. Well, yeah, but let, let's dive in because uh, you got niches and you got sub niches. So, uh, explain the, the difference between the two. Right. So a niche
1: is, uh, I'm just going to give a quick world example. All right. Well, when we're trying to find what it is we want to do, what is it? What's your passionate about? All right. Well, I know a lot about fitness. Okay, that's great. Well, we want to drill deeper into that because we can't just say fitness because there's eight billion people in the world and a lot of them do some sort of fitness. But there's no way to reach all eight billion people, even if you're a really big, big shot. So we need to dial it in a little bit so we can get in front of enough people to turn them into paying customers. So how do we do that? Well, what do you love about, like, what 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 goes a little deeper than that? Well, what about weight loss? Okay, so now we just took fitness down from everything. Fitness engulfs is a lot. engulfs a lot. It could be marathon runners, bodybuilders, uh, aerobics, yoga, all that falls into fitness. We're going to focus on weight loss. So now we just cut the whole field in half. Well, what else? uh, Well, what about uh, women? Women are really consumed about weight loss. So now we just took fitness to weight loss to women. What if we go even deeper and we can say uh, middle-aged women, middle-aged mothers who uh, work from home and want to lose weight. Wow. So we just took a potential four or 5 billion person pool, which we can't reach everybody with the word fitness, and we just narrowed it down to maybe 10 or 20 million women in the US who need to lose weight. Now, we have a much better chance of reaching that specific target market than just saying I do fitness and reaching nobody. So uh, does that answer that question?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, it, just to recap, we're taking something broad and getting very specific. Because uh, I'd imagine if you're talking to somebody, if you're if you're standing on the corner and you're just preaching, you're going to look like a crazy guy. But if you're standing on the corner and you're talking to one or two people specifically, now you are going to get the attention of those one or two people who you're talking to, and maybe the people that kind of are around might. You might peak some interest there and they might be interested, but now you at least have somebody that you're specifically targeting in your marketing campaigns and your messaging and your branding. Sound about right? Yeah. And that sounds
1: exactly right. And another way to think about it for the young kids listening along, because everybody understands hashtags, right? Do you understand yeah. hashtags? So let me explain how hashtags work. Cause this is a great way to understand how sub niching works in the world of marketing and sales. So hashtags, Hashtags became real popular on Instagram, right? So that's really popular place to have that. So let's just take a hashtag. And there's billions of people that use Instagram. So if you do hashtag love and you do research on that and says who has hashtag love? And you'll find that there's about 2 billion posts that have hashtag love. So who gets to see those posts? Who gets seen on the top of their posts when you have hashtag love?
0: I'll Your tell post you this. is like a grain of sand.
1: Well, I'll tell you who gets seen. It's a well, and I'm kind of old, so I don't know who the new young people are. But when Taylor Swift or Jennifer Lopez or uh, Ariana Grande or somebody, when they write hashtag love, they're going to be seen up top. When us little people who have you know a few thousand followers, maybe ten thousand followers here and there, if we write hashtag love, we're not going to be seen by anybody. But if we write hashtag I love pizza in Cleveland right now we've just narrowed it down to maybe there's only 100 of those so if I write hashtags I love pizza in Cleveland and there's 100 people that are going to see that post so I can be seen by maybe 20 of those 100 people or zero of the 2 billion do you understand yeah so yeah. now I'm trying to be seen by 20 of the 100 people, and I might get 20 phone calls out of that. Even if I get five and I can turn those phone calls into paying
0: clients, now I have something there. So that's what subneting does. It reminds me of, of podcasting, right? So I, when I talk to people about creating a podcast uh, and they they really get discouraged sometimes because their show might only get 30, 40, 50 downloads uh, at a, at, per episode, right? And the thing that, that I try to get across them, I'm like, well, picture those people literally sitting in a room, the, the 100 people that downloaded your podcast or the 150 people that saw you on Facebook, uh, you know, those views. Imagine those people sitting in a room listening to you. Uh, That would probably be pretty nerve wracking. Most people don't want to get up and talk to those people, but they're there. They're listening to your message. They found you. They resonate with you and you are connecting with those people. It might not be millions of views, but you're connecting with these people. You're literally that that's like I feel how you're describing this situation here when you're using the hashtags. And I think this is where a lot of business owners fall flat. You don't need millions of customers. You need those few loyal ones that understand who you are, what you do, and they want to come and get your product or service over and over and over again. I'm assuming this is where we're leading towards scaling the business, right? Yeah. So it's like now now that we have an audience,
1: a captive audience that's actually interested, you know, even if our hashtag love gets seen by the 2 billion people, how many of them are going to actually be interested? So we're going to have to really get it through the funnel and whittle it down. To having a captive audience, and then once you have a captive audience, then you can scale. Then we start coming up with uh, with diversifying your way of doing business, with ways to reach them, with different types of products and services, and uh, to retain them as clients and have them coming back as returning customers. This is how we grow and scale a business.
0: So, how does how does one really kind of narrow down that that? that specific niche Uh, I'll, i'll give you an example so in my classroom my students are learning how to use go high level so uh they all have their little groups they all have their logins for go high level they're able to create funnels landing pages all that stuff and so the project they're working on right now is we're creating open house funnels for real estate agents uh, and so that's what that's where kind of the thought process and I want them to kind of think about what it's like to be a realtor and they're young. They probably the only thing they know is sometimes they're driving around. And they see open house signs. Right. But to get there to get themselves in the mindset of that entrepreneur and even more so in the mindset of the customer for that entrepreneur. Uh, what are some things that they could possibly do to get themselves in a in that mindset so they can think about hmm, what's the best experience possible so that I can create an open house funnel that makes sense for, for the realtor and for the client.
1: So are we talking about like how to reach a specific type of client or I'm, I'm sorry, maybe I'm unclear on the question.
0: How do we, how do we fine tune, how do we get to that niche? So you, you use the example of the weight loss and then we went to the women and then we went to the middle age. Um, if, if we're talking about real estate agents and we want to kind of focus on developing open houses, who wants to buy a house? Well, like everybody does, but how do I niche it down uh, on the real estate side to get that uh, that ideal client that they're looking for? Because I, I mean, uh, I'm doing it with students, but I talk to realtors all the time. You know, who's your ideal client? Well, anybody who wants to buy a house. That's not very niche, <laughs> right?
1: No, it's not. Well, and that's where you're the type of person you are comes across. Is like, who do you communicate with the best? And I mean, I almost have to agree with the the realtor, you know, because. When you get into a a place with uh, when you're talking about selling a house, well, you need to have a certain type of demographic, which kind of the work you're doing kind of narrows it down. So you need to have somebody who has uh, either has cash or access to loans where they can get 300 to a million dollars in money to buy a house. So I can understand that. But I guess uh, to better suit your question is uh, who do you communicate with the best? So if you look on uh, LinkedIn, there's different types of people uh, with different types of messaging. There's a lot of women that like to wear uh, high-class clothing and take real glamorous pictures and reach people with that type, driving their BMWs and Mercedes. And then there's uh, guys that wear baseball hats and of their favorite team, and they've reached an athletic uh, demographic. So I, I think the idea is to find out who you are and who you can speak to the best. To, in order to niche down um, and communicate with uh, your potential clients the best, I mean, in terms of real estate, a lot of them are really pretty much driven by demo uh, by a uh, geographic location, too. So, I mean, you have to go to your chamber of commerce and drill down your local demographics and see where, where's the best reach, the customer reach that you can get. There's a lot that goes into that. That's kind of a I, I'm not, not sure. Right. What that, yeah, I'm not sure that that falls in line with uh, specific niching because in, this, in 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 the the question you were asking because
0: fair enough, fair enough. It's it is it is kind of a difficult uh, area to niche down, and I know I know agents that get stuck on that as well. Um, and I like how you actually went to well, what is it that you like to do because it always comes back to that. At the end of the day, your client base and the people that you end up talking to. You got to have conversations with and if they're completely on a different planet then those are probably not going to be the type of clients that stick around with you because you don't speak the same language right and i i like how you put that it's either high class dressing nice in cars or the guy with the baseball hat but those are the people that kind of you you build your tribe essentially based on the things that you already like to do so that totally helps um you know, let, let's uh, let's shift a little bit to the online businesses. So I, I I read in your intro that there are many different online businesses that are that are taking flight right now, and um, there's also a big shift in our economy. Interest rates keep going up, markets shifting. Everybody's worried about doom and gloom in here in the new future. And yet here we are talking about scaling a business. Uh, So how can we quell some of those fears of people who are starting their online business today? Um, They want to grow and scale, but they see out in the horizon all the scary stuff that's about to happen.
1: Well, there's always going to be scary stuff. I I want to make that clear as an entrepreneur. Again, entrepreneur is a big fancy term that a lot of people want to throw around and everybody wants to aspire to be. But a lot, I just want to keep a real, a reality point of view. I encourage you to go out and do that because I think it's the most fulfilling thing in the world. But when you start a business, there's always going to be challenges. There's never not going to be challenges, but it's how you meet those challenges. So... If we uh, meet them with a sound mind and knowing that there's going to be challenges and we're going to have a better uh, chance of getting through them successfully. Um, But in terms of the present uh, climate, as you can say, there's also been never been a better time and there probably never will be an opportunity like there is right now to start an online business. And online businesses come in different forms. There's the SaaS models where you can charge monthly fees or software as a service uh, or regular fees in order to get, um, recurring revenue. And, uh, there's, uh, digital courses you could sell. There's a uh, website that you can build to sell specific products or services. There's, and there's different ways to reach all those clients that we're talking about now. It's still like we think, and the the kids that are listening live now or any other, a lot of the younger people, they don't remember not having an internet.
0: The internet
1: is still relatively new, though. You know, it's really only 25 years old for all intents and purposes, right? So the way that we know it, it's been about 15, maybe 20 years. But at the same time, it's still pretty unregulated. There's not a lot of rules and regulations out there. So now is a good time to really be able to do whatever it is you want to do. So in this respect, we can really talk a little more openly about niching. You know, when we say, what is it that I'd love to do? I love fitness. I love business. I love coaching. I love whatever it is you love to do. There's a way to build an online business and coach people or teach people how to do that. And you can start with a newsletter and then you can have a course that you can do, which you can host in a number of different places. And once you start selling a low ticket item, this is how we scale. Once you start selling a low ticket item, which is what I recommend, there's a lot of people out there selling, you know, $10,000 products, $20,000 services, whatever it is. And that's great. And we want to work up to that for sure, because there's ways to do that. And I help people do that all the time but it's best to start small and have the right expectations. And then you can sell them a little product that maybe costs $30. And from there we can scale up and go to endless places with us. So there's really no limit and there's very little rules and regulations around what you can do right now. So that being said, that's where I say, I I highly recommend there is no better time than right now to start an online business. If you have fears, If you're scared around what the climate is right now, I would say, you know, if you have a family, if you have a mortgage and some big bills to pay and responsibilities, and you have a job right now that's paying for all those, I would say, hold on to that job and keep doing that and start a side hustle. And we can start building in to make it something much bigger so where you don't have to worry about it, but you can't just go out and quit your job and start selling $30 classes and hope to uh, get back to six figures in the next three months, that's unrealistic and that's going to cause problems.
0: Well, let me ask you this, because we got high school seniors in here, right? And so part of the job seeking that they go through um, and, you know, they have to write a resume in some of their classes and there's that section that says experience and they feel like I don't have any experience. Why would somebody hire me? Or like, what value do I bring to the table? And we talk, you know, you talked about starting a side hustle and right now is the time to start an online business. There's so many opportunities. Um, talk, talk a little bit about, education requirements like do do you need a college degree do you have to have years of work experience to be able to start something like this
1: not at all in fact you know where i recommend starting is starting to build an audience and when i say that you know a lot of these kids probably already have somewhat of an audience you know probably more than i do right now and i work at it (laughs) but the truth is it's like the the most valuable thing that you can have right now and if you're listening to this as a kid I highly urge you to pay attention to this right now. Uh, People like Gary Vee talk about this all the time and a lot of other people is to start building your audience right now. Start right now because your audience is your currency. That audience is the most valuable thing that you can have right now, your attention. When you can get attention from six figure people, like from 100,000 people, then you can sell to those people. And, you know, you don't have to take it from that angle. You just have an audience of people. You can also you can sell to them, but you can also spread good messages and kindness and love to these people. And then you build trust with them. And eventually you can uh, build a business around that. And when you have a captive audience who knows, likes, and trusts you, you can do anything with that audience. So uh, you don't need any specific degrees. You just need something that you're passionate about. And, you know, one one thing I would recommend doing is to learn how to uh, to write well, be a good copywriter, to learn how to reach people through words, short form, long form, middle form, whatever that is. You know, if you can write a newsletter or if you can write a really well-written, intelligent uh, LinkedIn post or long Twitter threads, those are very valuable. And if you have an audience of 10,000 to 100,000 people or more, now you have a business. You have a captive audience that you can take from that platform onto your website. And from your website, you can have them sign up for the newsletter. You can have them buy one of your digital courses, or you can upsell them from there, which we can work into another time.
0: You are absolutely right. That's one of the things I try and uh, really push uh, on my kids, by the way, Abdul, what's what's going on, man? How you doing? Thank you for hopping on. And uh, you know, when you talk about building the audience part of it has to do with like having the courage to stand behind a camera, to voice an opinion, to get behind a microphone. It's funny because we live in an era today where a lot of these kids are carrying a studio in their pocket. They have the ability to create content on a regular basis and they usually do, but they rarely point the camera at themselves with an opinion. They usually point the camera at what's going on around them, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, to be able to capture that audience that's uh, that's a skill in and of itself. And then to take that audience off a platform onto your own database, building your own stuff. And I think that's where the the tools that I'm teaching these kids with Go high Level to be able to create their own funnels, to create their own landing pages, to create some of these forms, to capture uh, client data so that they can create a business with marketing. I think that's so, so, so powerful. Any tips or strategies you got that you use with your clients, to help them start generating an audience so start building some content and developing a brand for themselves.
1: Yeah. Well, it goes right back to what we were just talking about five, 10 minutes ago. And that's making sure it's something you're passionate about. You know, if, if it's something you're passionate about, we don't have to really do much research. I mean, you always have to do some research, but it's like, what do I love to do that I could talk about for 30 minutes without having to think about? So, for me, I love business. I, my background is in addiction recovery, so I can talk about that forever. So, I was an addiction recovery coach. I like sports, I like fitness and health and wellness. I mean, these are things that I can talk about. So, I've built businesses around those. And when you can do that, that's your content. So, you mm-hmm. can start writing content. And then, and it's funny because a lot of people are very sensitive. You know, we're, we're afraid, like you said to, to your point, we're afraid to post. We're afraid to point the camera at ourselves. What will people think? Well, the right people are going to love it. That, mm-hmm. And one thing I want to encourage people that are, you kids that are listening and everybody else, not worry what other people think. The right people are going to love you and they're going to latch onto you. There's like a billion uh, active users on LinkedIn per month. There's like two or three billion uh, Facebook users. Everybody says Facebook is dead. It's not. There's a couple billion active users on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, whatever it is. There might be a bunch of people that don't like you, but there's millions who will. So if you're consistent and you're talking about what you're passionate about, that you don't have to worry about what people think about or what your language is and stuff like that. And you're just being genuinely, authentically you, which is the best way to be throughout life anyway. People are going to pick up on that and they're going to connect with you. And all of a sudden, you're going to have your five and six-figure audience that you can build your business around.
0: I was having a consultation meeting yesterday with with an old college buddy who's now thinking about becoming an entrepreneur. And he laid out a bunch of ideas, and uh, one of the things I also mentioned to him was you got to get yourself out there. You got to put. You got to start putting your message out there to start building your brand. And the, the response he he said was, you know, but you know, I'm afraid people are going to laugh at me. And I remember hearing it. I don't know where I heard it from. But uh, what I told him is, look, at first they'll laugh at you. Then they'll ask you for advice. And I told him when I first started this podcast, you know, my closest friends and family were all like, dude, you're starting a podcast. Oh, you're funny. Uh, they'd laugh now those same ones are coming back and like hey how do i do that like i googled your name Oh, like how do you get your stuff on there at first they laugh at you then they ask you for advice so you just got to get past that first part and i heard another saying the 10 words that'll hold you back what will other people think and what will other people say like if you can put those 10 words behind you and just realize that you're treading the path You're chopping the bushes out. You're scraping that dirt. You're making the path so that other people can follow in your footsteps. But that requires a little bit of work. That's gonna put you in an uncomfortable position. That's gonna make you discover things about yourself you didn't even know you had, the capability you had to put out there. So I I really love that you're saying that um, because it, it totally makes sense. Building a brand, creating content, that's the key in today's society. So Dennis, before we head out, if people wanna reach out to you, talk to you, get some advice, get some coaching? How can I do that?
1: The very best way is uh, to send me, well, you can send me an email since you're watching this show to Dennis at DennisBerry.com uh, or you can reach out to my website, which is Dennis at De- or, uh, DennisBerry.com. Sorry, my brain's full. Um, DennisBerry.com. And from there, you can uh, you can see my book. You can uh, watch the my old podcast episodes or we can talk about uh, business or anything you want to talk about.
0: Man, it's been a a great episode. This this whole idea of like scaling a business and and building a, a lifestyle really around what it is that you want to do. It's always so fascinating for me because everybody has a different idea of what their life is supposed to be like. And if they can be the architect of their own life, they would be so much happier. Any last minute thoughts before we head out?
1: I really love that the architect of our own life. Yeah, I want to say you know we are responsible for building our own happiness. You know whatever yeah. dreams you have. And I say this to people all the time. When, when I start working with people, we create a dream plan. Now, okay. uh, it's based loosely on a business plan. Now, when we write a business plan for uh, for a business, whatever your plan is, there's a mission statement. What am I, What's my mission? What am I doing? What's my mission in life? What are my dreams? What are my goals? What's my plan to get there? All these things. What are my strengths, my weaknesses, my opportunities, my threats? How am I going to get there? So we do the same thing for life. What's my mission? What's my goal? And we write it down and we create a plan. And then we just, we don't stop. And we don't take anything off of it either. We don't say, no, that goal is too big. I can't make $10 million. I can't buy a yacht. I can't buy a nice car. That's all. Those are all lies. Those are stories we tell ourselves. We leave those there. And then we take specific steps to get them done. And the winners aren't the ones who have, who don't have problems. They're the ones that stay consistent and work through those problems. So my last words are
0: continue to ask for help and don't stop until you get to your dream. That's it. Don't stop until you get to your dream. My mission to life is simple. I'm here to open doors, which is why I brought the podcast into the classroom. I want to, I want entrepreneurs like yourself to have a voice, first of all, on the internet, which is the platform that we're doing here with the podcast. But secondly, to give the students in here an opportunity to see that the designed life that's been told to them, go to school, go to college and get a job is not the only path. There are a number of different paths that are out there. So I'm here to open doors for them. And then as a realtor, sometimes I physically get to open doors. So that's how it works out. Ladies and gents, if you guys want to check out what Dennis has to offer, make sure you guys go to his website, dennisberry.com, dennisberry.com. You can find him uh, via email, dennis at dennisberry.com. And uh, what else we got over here? Abdul says one more thing. He's like, exactly. If you're not, same things happening to me right now. Uh, people are asking me how to do those, uh, those things before they used to make fun of me. So that's just what it is. You're going to become an expert at first. Whenever you try something, it's awkward. It's weird. You don't know how to do it. But you consistently get at it and you become an expert. And then they're going to ask you for advice. Dennis, man, thanks a lot for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking the time. Ladies and gents, we'll catch you guys on the next one. It's Peace. over.